It's Sunday. You know what that means. Welcome into Highly Disputed. My name is Dylan Bishop. And with me, as always, is Ryan Stickle. How's it going, Ryan? Welcome into uh, Football Night in America here. Um, first ever, well, I mean, as far as I know, first ever Sunday show we've done. I think so. Um, maybe we've had one uploaded on a Sunday. The New Year's show might have been uploaded on a Sunday. I don't even think um, of that. But uh, in terms of recording, um, yeah, I think this is the first one. So, Yep. And it's right, right in the, the smack dab in the middle of the probably what is consistently the most fun round of the NFL playoffs. Um, Usually. With, that extra, with the extra wild card game, um, or g- games, I guess, uh, you, that round might be kind of taking the cake here past couple seasons. Yeah, um, I'd say just, this past week, the wild card weekend might be hard to top. It was a good one. And... um. I think, you know, just having more games, it's it's a higher percentage that uh, percentage chance that you will have a game that's good. Um, but also just, I don't know, There's they just have made it work. They know that as football fans, we'll just eat it all up no matter what they serve us. Um, but it ended up being a good one. Um, you know, the divisional round historically has been the better one just because it's the same amount of games or it was the same amount of games as wildcard weekend. But every team was better than the week before. So you get that four game uh, weekend, but it's it's nothing but bangers. And yeah, you, you know, don't the... get your like six seed that snuck in or your barely 500 division winner against the 12 and five team that didn't win their division. Yeah. And like and... the Monday night game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oof. I guess we can, I guess we haven't done a show, so we can kind of recap. Um, a little bit, some some of the the high points and low points of Wild Card Weekend, um, but yeah, I mean it's lined up well with uh, the one seeds having played last night, and they, for the most part, handled business. You know the Jags kind of they've been playing hot, so they they look good. But um, I think they we definitely got the best ones coming up today for sure. Yeah, we're recording this. Uh, it's currently one forty-three p.m., so the Sunday games have not yet kicked off. They'll probably kick off around the time that we're done. Uh, what is it, 3 or 3.30 for the first game? First game's at 3, and then the second one, I believe, is 6.30. So this is the first week we hit that. Um, that, that it's, it's like it's the playoff schedule. Um, it's the only time you'll see NFL games played at, at these time slots. And it's um, it's when that's when those t- it's those are the best time slots. They really are. I mean, the, the, I don't something about when the game starts then because you only get it in the playoffs. It has the feel of a, of an important game, like a game starting at three and a game starting at six thirty. Um, and I certainly prefer it to, you know, any having any game start at eight fifteen. Um, it's just nice to like have a game play in prime time and finish up generally 9 30 10 o'clock and then you can move on and i would assume also it gets people kind of primed for that 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 time slot for the super bowl it's not just kind of like a sudden jarring time shift where all right we got a couple weeks here of hey be ready for football at 6 30 p.m yeah i wish college football would understand that but I, i i get that now like the nfl has just invaded saturdays on the last weeks of the season which is when college football would play their national championship 
So they're like, uh, Monday night, I guess. Well, maybe we'll move it up to, was it 7.30 this year? I think they, yeah, 7.30 yeah. kickoff. Better, up, yeah. you know, better kickoff than when it was 740. like, yeah, better than when it was kicking off at like 9.15 for like an 8.30 start time. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I understand, like, best case scenario, the college football, the national championship would be Saturday at 6.30. Yeah. The NFL has just decided that, no, once we get to the last weeks of the season, we're going to play, we're going to start playing on Saturday too because college football is done. Yeah, and and if it's on a Saturday, I think that that regular time slot is at least more acceptable, just because of the day of the week you're playing right. on. But man, a Monday night when you when your game goes late, I mean, even that with the time moving up this year, the game still ended at you know like eleven something. Um, it's just it's just rough. Uh, it's you don't want to be getting up on a Tuesday morning <laughs> that tired. It's just not. Right. Um, I'd even settle, you know, I'd settle for being on like a Thursday or something like that. Cause sure. I can deal with, you know, okay, Thursday night football is, is a thing where we're pretty used to, you know, you, you get up it's and, and it's almost the weekend, but it's not like taking up a Friday night when you could be out doing things. I think Thursday would be a better night if we can't have it on a weekend. Um, but you know that seems to be the time slot and the day they've they've kind of circled in as being the most profitable, really, for yeah. viewership and ad dollars and everything. I'm hoping they, since they've done it with football, I know it's kind of you know different TV rights and and all that, but I'm hoping they they see the error in their ways and move up the basketball national championship because that is consistently like a nine fifteen tip off, and that's awful. Yeah, <laughs> it's the worst. Like it's bad enough. I mean. You know, the NBA finals on the West Coast will have like a 9 p.m. tip, but at least that is like definitely going to have a West Coast audience and there's several games of it. Um, if we're playing one game for it all on a Monday, we got to have that thing like eight o'clock is fine. I mean, it's a basketball game. It's, it's two, you know, two and a half hours maybe for, for a close game. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about the college basketball championship, you know, the games, college basketball games are getting longer and longer, just the way we're officiating and with commercial breaks. And they just they seem to be stretching out here. So the TV window for those games in the next few years, I imagine, is going to get bumped up to that two and a half hour mark, like NBA games versus the two hour mark they're kind of s- slotted in for currently. Um, we saw that with college football in the past decade. Um, they kind of had the three hour time windows for, for TV and suddenly we're, we're getting a lot more 330 kickoffs so i think we're going to see that shift soon as well um but then the national championship you you got the one shining moment which they don't play till the end of the post game show and you know you gotta stay up till 11 <laughs> 45 to see that thing so i'm just yeah i'm getting old i'm sick of it just can we just do 7 30 like is that is that wrong to do I guess because it's only 4.30 on the West Coast and people are still, you know, getting off of work, getting home, especially if it's like, oh, L.A., people coming home from work are going to be in traffic for an hour, probably not getting home until about 6 o'clock. So you might not be getting that audience, but it's like, listen, the West Coast, there's only so many people out there. It's just all California. There's we don't even, way that's a, it's more a fake, people. It's a fake time zone. All right. Way more people you don't need to worry here. about it. Don't need to worry about it. Yeah. 
Play, play K, go to the rest. Like you have Mountain, Central, Eastern, but you have those, those other three times time zones. Worry about them. Those people and in California, if they wanted, to, if they wanted to uh, n- not miss the start of every you know sporting event, big sporting event, they they would move. They, how about that? Yeah, move to the East Coast and 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 listen for an event like that. We're talking, you know, you count on your hand how many times a year there's a game that big that you're going to miss. And listen, they're already privileged enough. A game like last night, a game starts at 8.15, Eagles and Giants, let's let's just say. Or let's talk about the national championship. They move that up to 7.30. That game, even if it was close, you would have been paying attention to it all the way through to what, 11 o'clock, 11.30? We're talking it about, about the a, It was about, about 11. Um, and it's hard to tell because it was such a blowout. There was a lot of running right. clock and, and conservative play calling and, and but let's, things let's like even... that. But it generally, I mean, college football games of that magnitude, just the way officiating and timeouts and commercials and all that, I mean, they end up being about four hours long these days. Right. So let's, let's even use your example. as one shining moment at 11.45 at night. You know what that is on the West Coast? Eight forty-five. There, the, you got. You're good. You get the. You might miss the beginning of a game. Oh well. You get home. the The game is over at eight forty-five at night, and you still have like you know you can you can throw on an episode of two or whatever whatever t- TV show you're watching at the moment right. before bed. Like, like, come like on. college basketball ends, and then there's like a new episode of like CSI whatever coming on after. Like we we ours is the late local news, and yours is just regular TV comes on because it's prime time like just get over yourself i don't know why you know i just don't know why in in today's age and sports are so accessible like watch it on your phone or something if you're really (laughs) out somewhere turn on the radio i mean geez give me a break yeah but uh, anyway that's not the tangent i was expecting us to go on but um and you'll hear it from us again in a in a month's time or two when college basketball ramps up. You're goddamn right. Um, <laughs> so yesterday's games were, I don't want to say completely uneventful, but the one definitely was. Uh, Eagles-Giants, absolute blowout. Uh, Eagles just absolutely trounced the Giants. And then the Chiefs, if Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes hadn't gotten himself a high ankle sprain in the uh, first half of that, it would have been less interesting. Like the Jag- the Jaguars stayed in it for mo- for the most part, and ended up being only a seven point game in the end. But they they were the Chiefs never really felt in danger. I, no. I think the big I think the big story moving forward is obviously Mahomes is going to be playing the rest of the season with a sprained ankle, which normally you would miss multiple weeks with if you had to. So that'll be tough. But then also the fact that, you know, how the Jags and the Giants got to the to the divisional round was um, the Vikings. They were frauds all along. <laughs> like, I mean, we spent pretty much the whole season being like, wow, the Vikings like, they have this great record, but they are very clearly frauds. Yeah. It's just their, their point differential, whatever it was, you know, going down to the Colts, making the greatest, the largest comeback in NFL history. Sure. But you did go down by thirty, what thirty three points to the Colts, who are bad. So, and you had games like that, and then the Chargers. Speaking of comebacks, the mm. Chargers up twenty seven to nothing in the first half against 
the Jaguars. And then the Jags lead a miraculous comeback. Trevor Lawrence had thrown four picks in the first half. And they come back. And I the Chargers fired Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator, which, fair, needed to happen. <laughs> why, is Brandon, why is Brandon Staley getting another chance? Yeah. Why? He went because going into that game, played the starters in week 18 in a game that you didn't really need to do that in. And Mike Williams gets a fracture in his back and is out for the game against the Jags. Again, completely avoidable. Did not have to play Mike Williams at all in that game. <laughs> Probably could have used did. him. Probably, yeah. In that fourth quarter. Um, you just like it, it, that game came down to them. You could go through the sec- whole second half, and if they have two extra first downs at any point, they might hang on to just win that game, um, barely. Um, and they just could not. I think they they mustered a a field goal early, uh, third quarter, and that was that was about it. They really did not have anything going, and it is one of those scenarios where it's like you know, we did throw four interceptions in the first half, so. You know, it kind of makes sense that we're down this much. On the other hand, you know, it's it's like, well, we, we kind of handed them everything they have. So if we can not throw interceptions every possession, um, maybe we'll get back in this game. Because, you know, you, you usually don't think you're going to hold a team that scored 27 to just three in the second half. But, hey, if you can manage it, certainly that team can score four touchdowns at home. And they did. Um or, you know, some roundabout way of getting the, between touchdowns and late field goal with no time left. Um, it's just, yeah, Brandon Staley, this wasn't, like, his first failure either. No. Like, this team should have been in the playoffs the last couple of years, and they are just, like, massive underachievers. Um, when you look at that quarterback, right, I mean, certain, you know, as it stands now, and this could change within the next year, but Justin Herbert, extremely good. Um, a better quarterback than Trevor Lawrence at the moment, though Trevor Lawrence is quickly ascending. Yep. Um, he certainly didn't show in that first half against the Chargers, but otherwise, this this back half of the season, he's been playing really well. Um, and that team found a way to, you know take Trevor Lawrence and he kind of fought through some of his rookie struggles. He fought through his own bad coaching. <laughs> Certainly some of the worst coaching we've ever seen with yeah. the whole urban urban Meyer debacle. Um, but they got him a good coach and suddenly the team's really good. And I know that, you know, some, they spent some money in free agency and um, they've drafted pretty well, but you know, the, the change in the quarterback play alone was enough to just completely flip how we view that team. I mean, you know, you can get into the 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 context of, of Mahomes' injury, but at the end of the day, they went into Kansas City and lost by one score in the divisional round. And mm-hmm. that's a far cry from where we're thinking about the Chargers being today. Um, and this really could have been the year. Because, I mean, listen, if they sneak past Jacksonville – and just find a way to get out of that game. Who knows what we're talking about today um, and how these these playoffs are shaking out. 
because uh, listen, <laughs> the list like one first down in a, in a key situation, and they sneak out of there. Everyone still has their job, and who knows what they do after that, right? I mean, Justin Herbert is good enough; he can kind of drag everybody with him. Um, you know, the the lack of speed they have at wide receiver and the boneheaded coaching decisions, he can make up for t- a ton of that. But clearly, it is so bad that it's just like it. This isn't going to work how it currently is. And so the, you know, good on them. You fire the offensive coordinator. How is the head coach still there? Makes no sense to me. He's so involved in all of that, 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 that what they do. It just, I don't know. It's, 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 it feels like a a culture thing at this point, past three years. Like they just are, they are chronic underachievers. Um, And you have to find a way to switch it because it's certainly not your quarterback. It's kind of everything else. So they got a long road ahead. I don't think they're going to hit that rebuild mode just yet, but it's it's not pretty. Um, they have names at receiver, but the production's just not there. And we'll see who they bring in for the offense because they're going to have to get creative. Um, they need somebody who can break a game open on the outside right now. See that thing you mentioned about how you know it's a game. It's a game of inches football. Uh, um, <laughs> I. When I saw that Mike Williams news, I, I said this to I said this to you. Uh, the Chargers could have won the AFC this year, and I still would have said firebrands daily after the season. Absolutely, uh, because that was just ridiculous. Now, to his credit, last month or so of the season, he had the defense playing really well. They went out and made those move, uh, moves in the off season, got J.C. Jackson and Khalil, Khalil Mack, and Brandon Staley got the job as the Chargers head coach because he is a really good defensive coordinator. Uh, he <laughs> was that he was the Rams defensive coordinator uh, up until last year when he got the job as Chargers head coach. I mean, he can put together a defense. It just seems like it's like game management stuff is going forward on fourth down, more, you know, as about as much as I would on Madden and <laughs> the stuff with, that led to the Mike Williams injury. That's stuff that a head coach does. And you can put together a great defense, but not be a great head coach. It's a very, it's very right clear to me that this guy is, he's, he's a very good defensive coordinator. That's it. Uh, not a head coach. Same thing with Vic Fangio a couple of years ago with, with Denver. It's mm. just, <laughs> some guys are meant to just be coordinators. I think, I think Denver would, would settle for him right now, actually. <laughs> I bet they would. Um, because yeah. woof, you want to talk about a mess of coaching? I mean, geez, yeah, geez. Uh, that man, that I guess it's a, just a cursed division because, um, everywhere be. you look outside of Kansas City, it's just like, yeah, Oakland's gonna be fires. Oakland's gonna be trading Derek Carr or releasing Derek Carr, whichever it might be. Broncos are terrible. Um, and then the, the Chargers are the Chargers, so I mean, they're going on, um. Going into the season, we looked at that division. It's like, yeah, it's a good, it's a deep AFC, but you know, all, all this whole division could could make the playoffs realistically. Yeah, um, <laughs> we saw how that went. So, um, and the Chargers had a good season when when you look at it as a whole. I mean, they won what 10, 11 games. Yep. Um, and you know that last game that they they lost, it didn't it matter. <laughs> they still tried to win it. Anyway, um, it's a, it was a fine season, and they, they did have some injuries early on. Um, but, yeah, they just need 
they need a new philosophy as a as a team because it's not it's just not happening and and the, the ceiling should have been a lot higher i'll certainly say that i don't think anybody's going to argue with that as good as the afc mm-hmm. is i mean you got to you got to win a playoff game <laughs> with this far into herbert's career so we'll see if they figure it out the chargers find a way to just kind of always be somewhat relevant um you know through philip rivers era and and uh with Danny and Tomlinson and all that but we'll see Austin Eckler is <laughs> not Daniel and Danian Tomlinson can say that he's good right no so I, I did see that the one one person that they're interviewing for their offensive coordinator is Zach Robinson who is the Rams passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach uh might remember that I remember the name you might as well as former quarterback of Oklahoma State when they had Des Bryant. Um, so he's he's <laughs> working under McVay. I think that would make sense for them because, again, Brandon Staley was on the Rams staff just two years ago. So he's been on, he's already worked with Zach Robinson. And that's another guy that could be like a young up and comer. Everyone wants the McVay tree of guys uh, for offensive coordinators and whatnot. That makes sense for them. Uh, Zach Robinson also interviewed for the vacant offensive coordinator position with the Baltimore Ravens. And that's something that, man, I almost wanted to lead off the show with it, but it just didn't go. It didn't quite go that direction. Greg Roman. He's finally, finally gone. (laughs) Good Lord, man. I've, it's in 2019 through that whole season where the Ravens went, what, 14 and two mm-hmm. won 12 straight games to end the regular season. Number one seed. Even I want to say it was week three of that season against the chiefs. One of the two games that they lost. I thought, man, Roman's situational play calling is just not, it's, it, this hasn't been very good. This was his third game as offensive coordinator. <laughs> And the early from signs. that point on, it just never – it was always there. It was always a problem, and we talked about it on the show plenty of times. But finally, they – I guess it was – it was the narrative that was put out about it was that Roman was stepping down to pursue other opportunities. Uh, it was put out just hours before that that he – that there was reports going around that he his contract had run out with the Ravens, but it was actually I think Mike Garofolo put out a couple hours before the announcement. It, well, he does have one year left, and it's a club option, so the Ravens had the option to pick it up. And then you know an hour or two later, which was about an hour or two before the end of season press conference with Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta, that he was stepping down to pursue other opportunities. Now. I don't beats me what the what if that's truly <laughs> what it was or if it was you know hey hey Greg we both kind of agree this like, we should probably move on right I think it's the old it's the old gentleman's firing of would you like to say we parted ways because you're gone either way <laughs> and he said yeah sure I'll release a nice we'll release a nice statement mutually agreed to yeah and they were very very, very complimentary of him on the way out but. I think the very telling thing was that after this announcement, 
within maybe an hour, there was a tweet from a football Twitter guy that I think does some commentary on ESPN Plus sometimes, Emery Hunt, who tweeted out, you know, when you're talking about Ravens offense coordinators, remember that Lamar Jackson ran a pro-style offense at Louisville under Bobby Petrino, who was obviously former NFL head coach, which that's a whole boy that's really burying the lead when I when I when I just say that um but it was like a more pro style shotgun kind of offense the kind that you would see the Eagles run right now with Nick Sirianni and Lamar Jackson quote tweeted that and I forget exactly what the uh what the response was but I think it might have been like 100 emojis or something but (laughs) that was the only sort of thing that Lamar Jackson made reference to when it came to Greg Roman leaving the team publicly he said the quote tweet was thank you with prayer with the prayer hands emoji (laughs) the exact tweet goes let me just get this out here before folks start wrongly discussing the Ravens search for a new OC Lamar Jackson ran a pro-style offense in college at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. So that might tell you part of the part of the whole situation. Yeah. Yeah, that that's such an outdated term, I feel like. Pro-style offense. Because, yeah, it used to mean the, the college a lot game. Um there tends to be a little more innovation in the college game. Um, and part of that is just because like <laughs> your competition is worse and not quite as uh, high a football IQ as NFL players and coaches. So you can, you can experiment and do more fun stuff. Um, but the, the college game has just bled so much into the NFL these days um, that it's, it's kind of weird to say pro style offense. Cause like teams run the option and like, you know, right. that's, that's kind of evolved into the, the RPO game in the modern NFL. Like there's NFL variations of what, college teams do basically yeah Um, i mean you can pretty safely say that the last you know three years uh well four years of greg roman as offensive coordinator were not a pro style offense that was that was straight up like nevada pistol like that, that was a college they were running a college offense just just straight up yeah, there's there's um <laughs> there's a couple ways to designate it where it's um you know pro style versus uh pro caliber um <laughs> cuz when you you know your your passing concepts are so predictable and and not creative in the slightest that's that's college level stuff in the sense that like the college game doesn't have to be so complicated. Um, you can get away with being simple if your players are good. Uh, and that just doesn't, it doesn't work. Like your passing game will completely fall apart with <laughs> the basic, the preschool concepts basically. Right. So now the Ravens have to look for someone. Finally, I spent the last three years talking about who I want to replace Greg Roman. But now they actually have opportunities. They've already interviewed, like I said, Zach Robinson and I think the the Browns wide receiver coach, Chad O'Shea. I think they requested permission from the Seahawks to interview their 
quarterbacks coach Dave Canales. I will I will assume that's how you say his name, which was a name that I have suggested. Uh, my list of names that I have are Todd Munkin, offensive coordinator at Georgia, Frank Reich, who was just fired as a Colts head coach, which what was it two years ago that Doug Peterson was fired from the Eagles? And at the time, I thought that seems like a weird firing. I don't, I don't feel like that's the reason the Eagles aren't very good. And Frank Reich, I kind of feel like the same way. And Frank Reich, of course, was offensive coordinator for the Eagles before he was um, hired as Colts head coach. So, a little similar thing there, where I don't think that Frank Reich was the issue with the Colts, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> Michael Floor. The Jets' offensive coordinator, which was another situation where was he fired? Did he just did he quit? What what happened? They, they mutually parted ways, uh, but it seemed like he was he was fired. Uh, that was another thing. I the off the Jets' offense would have been worse with a with a different offensive coordinator. Like I don't I don't understand that at all. Apparently, what happened was there was a story in the Athletic put out that Michael Floor just does not. He he sees he sees what Zach Wilson is, and that's pretty much nothing. <laughs> and the Jets aren't ready to make that decision. And also, Elijah Moore screamed at Mike Lafleur, called him an idiot, and all mm. things like that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he the wasn't Jets, getting thrown to. You have to context matters in in these situations. I mean, what was the last time the Jets' offense, even with the quarterback struggles and injuries, at certain points? I mean, overall. It's about as good as their offense has been or competitive as their offense has been in a very long time. Um, and, you know, the, the, the last month or so of the season, things really fell apart on them um, because, like, you've, you'd really decide, all right, Zach Wilson is not the, our guy, at least for this season. And then Mike White hurt. And then it's the Joe Flacco show. So I, I have trouble really judging them just off of that. But there's plenty of talent on this offense. If you shore up your line and your running backs stay healthy, then I don't see why you can't bring back the guy who was in charge of it when he, things were humming. Because it wasn't until the injuries and the benchings. Like, n- nothing that, that hurt that offense was truly, at least from what we could see, his fault. You're going to blame him from the quarterback being so dreadful that he needed benched for Mike White, who really, when he was healthy, played fairly well for, for what Mike White is. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to be one of these people sitting here saying Mike White's a great quarterback. But he came in, and he, he would come in, you know, if they needed him to throw it 40 times because they were down, okay. But he'd throw for 300-plus yards and three touchdowns. Um, and, you know, before all the injuries hit him, they could run the ball. So, like... It just doesn't make much sense to me. No. So that's my – I think my top three choices there are pretty pretty much a tier one there, Munkin, Reich, and LaFleur. Then I would say a clear tier two all by himself would be Bobby Slowick, who was the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. And so far, uh, Kyle Shanahan tree guys have been pretty successful. Uh, then Joe Brady, currently quarterbacks coach of the Bills, used to be – Panthers offensive coordinator used to be Joe Burrow's offensive coordinator the the big year that he had at LSU. Uh, 
Kevin Patulo and Brian Johnson from the Eagles, their passing game coordinator and their quarterback coach, either one of them, Dave Canales from the Seahawks. And uh, mostly because of his name, I know that he's been an offensive coordinator before that ended up getting fired. It seems like the fans of his former t- uh, team that he called the plays for the Lions are kind of torn on whether he was good or not. I uh, mostly just want him for his name. Uh, Jaguars quarterback coach Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> it is a great name. It's an incredible name. It's, it might, man. I mean, it's got to be a top three name in football, at least. It has to. It, you, it, you make the argument for number one. I mean, Jim Bob. First off, Jim Bob. Jim fantastic. Bob Cooter. You can put any name you want, but Jim Bob Cooter. <laughs> I mean, you just can't. You can't go. You can't go through the whole name without finding something beautiful. <laughs> no, right. So yeah, those are all the options I want. And Zach Robinson seems like he'd be a fine choice too. Um, that, I mean, the Ra- hey, the Ravens almost pulled it off against the Bengals. Like they were incredibly close. They had Tyler Huntley, yeah, uh, try to do a quarterback sneak from the two yard line and go over the top, which. Good Lord, if that was any indication that Greg Roman needed to go, you an, an entire two yards to go, and you call a quarterback sneak. <laughs> a quarterback? I mean, is it even a, a sneak at that point? A quarterback vault? Like I will say, dive over was, the line. Oddly, we're very strangely this week. I was rewatching the the uh, I was rewatching Super Bowl thirty six, um, <laughs> <laughs> as one does, as one does on a. Uh, and I was doing it at like nine. I was like doing it at like nine thirty in the morning on a Tuesday. Uh, but it was just because I was at work and bored, and I thought, "Hey, I've always, I've always thought that you know, how much did Tom Brady really do in those early Super Bowls?" And in this one in particular, almost nothing. Literally almost <laughs> nothing. Um, but what there is in that, what there was in that game was maybe the funniest quarterback sneak I've ever seen, uh, where Kurt, Kurt Warner. From the three yard line, runs in a quarterback sneak, untouched. Uh, I think it's an empty backfield, or it's at least Marshall Falk might be back there. But the, basically, the Patriots just have no one up on the center. So Kurt Warner just follows his center after the snap up through the line and just runs in a three yard <laughs> rushing touchdown. It's pretty funny. Um, Smart football, also. Sometimes we outthink ourselves. Like, there are plays that simple to you in a football game. Like once or twice. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what Trevor Lawrence did on that one. What two point conversion? Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he said he called that himself, where he just like, yeah, I'm just gonna reach the ball. I'm gonna reach my giant arms over the over the line. Yeah, he's like um, you know six eight. <laughs> right. So my main takeaway from Super Bowl 36 was that the 49ers, uh, they might win Super Bowl 57 uh, because wow. the. If Tom Brady can win that Super Bowl, Brock Purdy can win a Super Bowl. Like there, that man did nothing in that game outside of one touchdown pass in the first half. Like it was even the even the fourth quarter like comeback drive is like or I think the game was tied, but the drive to put them in field goal range for Vinatieri to make that game winning field goal. It was three checkdowns and then one crossing crossing pass to Troy Brown who was by the way electric probably one of the most underrated players of the of the, of the 21st century Troy Brown and there's um, a reason you hear so much about that drive but you never really see that drive you see the kick 
over and over in these yep. little retrospectives. And you're like, wow, or... Tom Brady led this led this game winning drive. Yeah, it's like it's like they show the kick, which you know, a good one of the great clutch kicks in NFL history. Big upset, yeah. everything. And then it cuts to Brady on the podium. <laughs> it's like, what did he do? <laughs> I kid you not. Three checkdowns and a and a ten yard and a ten yard crossing pattern. Like that was it. Yeah. It was legitimately like I say checkdowns and you think, oh, what do you, what do you mean? No, like classic checkdown makes a read, one read, two reads, no one's open, running backs <laughs> open, checks it down, running back runs ten yards. Nobody, nobody hits times. the uh, nobody hits the running back in the flat quite like Tom Brady. No, do it three times. The third time, he, <laughs> the running back barely gets out of bounds. They didn't review it. Like it was should have been reviewed. Like they immediately call him out of bounds. It's like, wait, that that is so close. What you're just gonna like you're not gonna check this? Um but uh, but anyway. And then the very next play, the Brady gets pressured, throws the ball away. Pretty clearly intentional grounding and it's not called. <laughs> like he there's three run there's three wide receivers on the right side and they all run in routes. They all run like r- r- breaking inward uh, routes. So there's no one to throw to on the right side. And Brady just gets pressured and just throws the ball to the right sideline. Like you could almost say like, okay, maybe he thought the outside receiver was going to run a comeback. And he didn't. That is the only explanation yeah. for why it wouldn't be intentional grounding. But that that's not part of the rule. The, the rule isn't, the... oh, well, if the quarterback thought there was going to be a receiver there, then it's not intentional grounding. It was like he was still he was still in the tackle box. Like it was, and the very next play is the one where <clears throat> they throw the ten yard pass, uh, crossing route to Troy Brown. He gets like five or so more yards. Then there is one pass at the end where it's it's a three yard stick route to to the tight end, and then it's then it's the uh, then it's the Vinatieri field goal. But if you call intentional grounding there, I don't know that they get in the field goal range yeah i mean that's the like going overtime and the rams might i would have been pissed if i was a rams fan yardage and down like so yeah and i mean the league i guess they got him back because he they called him for intentional grounding in the end zone in super bowl 46 against the giants so i guess they that was them getting getting back at him they said we're gonna get this one Yeah, which and um, not to, yeah, but th- essentially the the Patriots defense won them that game. I have no idea why Tom Brady was MVP of that game. I suppose it's because there was no one defender that stood out with really great uh, performance. I mean, Ty Law had a pick six, and then yeah, Willie I mean, McGinnis it's... and Richard Seymour were wreaking havoc on Kurt Warner. They pressured him like twelve times. When and... you have uh, when you have defenses that good, it's it's usually not because there's one great player. Like you need at least one great player to have a really good defense like that. Or in that case, I mean, that's a great defense. Um, but if that, you know, if they're, if your one great player doesn't have like an interception or, you know, a sack fumble and recovery, it's kind of just hard to give that just, just the, the nature of the award. It's hard to give that away. Um, you generally have to like have a pick six or something or have two interceptions um, along those lines or three sacks. Um, you just have to, you have to have those, and they still gave it to Brady. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I guess we need to have a way to like, I don't know, just ban the quarterback from winning that award unless they throw for like three hundred yards and and two touchdowns. Like I don't know. We have to have like a 
quarterback threshold. And if they don't meet it, it has to go to somebody else in that game. This is the stat line that won him his first NF- uh, Super Bowl MVP. 16 for 27, 145 yards, one touchdown, zero interception. That's like um, <laughs> that's like Kenny Pickett versus the Raiders numbers. <laughs> like, that's absurd. You know, and, and listen, there's a reason he was drafted as low as he was. Like he wasn't that good to start out. Um, in the in the uh divisional round against the Raiders, like the Tuck rule that you know, we all know the Tuck rule. Like there was a, there was a free um blitzer coming off the edge, and he just didn't see him. <laughs> he just stood in there, yeah, and, and took a hit and fumbled the ball and and lost in the game and got bailed out. And if you go back to that 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 time period. If he fumbles it, which, you know, he did, but he didn't, technically. Um, they The Raiders get the ball. Patriots lose that game. And then suddenly the season's over. And they probably go back to Drew Bledsoe the next season. And then that's <laughs> Tom Brady's a, a career backup. Like, that's, yep. that's probably how it goes. And Brady, to his credit, got playing time, developed into, you know, one of the great QBs of all time. The, the 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 greatest winner in the history of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know if, <laughs> if 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 that call is just a normal fumble call, he's probably back up for the Patriots for a few years and then floats around. Like it's <laughs> it's just funny how that stuff can can switch up and we with you know with hindsight we look back and kind of rewrite history in that way. Right. I will say I yeah, I watched I also watched the Super Bowl 38, which two years two years later when they when they beat the Panthers and it's like completely different. Like you can tell Brady has kind of has developed a, a game where like he's comfortable back in the pocket and just, just can slice up a defense a lot more than he, you know, compared to two years prior. But still the Patriots had a Really good defense and really underrated wide receivers back then. Like Deion Branch was nice. Troy Brown was electric. David Givens was a pretty good, reliable receiver. So it was he wasn't doing it with nothing. And he had, you know, the names on that Patriots defense was kind of crazy. They didn't have Rodney Harrison for the Rams Super Bowl, but they did have Ty Law, Richard Seymour, Willie McGinnis, and Teddy Bruschi. And then when the Eagles Super Bowl came around, they had rookie Vince Wilfork. And oh, they also had Mike Vrabel, by the way, who if Brady, <laughs> if, if uh, honestly, if Brady didn't throw one of his other touchdowns in that Panthers Super Bowl, I would have said give the Super Bowl MVP to Mike Vrabel because he had a strip sack fumble and he caught a touchdown. Like, because then that's, of course, that's what Mike Vrabel's known for is catching those touchdowns in the, in the Super Bowls. <laughs> um, but, and then and then Brady goes and doesn't win Super Bowl MVP in uh, in the Eagles game. He wins. It's uh, goes to Deion Branch. So those early years of Brady, uh, they were worth examining. And then of course you know when you look at the the splits in his later career with and without Gronk, it's very interesting. But that's not really the conversation we were meant to have today because. Uh, the Buccaneers lost. They're not in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they suck. Um, it's really that simple. Like that that team wasn't good. 
even in their wins, they weren't very good. You can go look in three, four of their wins where at the end it kind of just was like Brady turning it on. Um, yep. And that is it, really that simple. It was Brady turning it on, a couple of little boneheaded decisions by the other team that kind of got the Bucks extra time or extra possessions. Um, and they, they eke some games out. And that's about it. I mean, that, that team with, you know, a, a, a quarterback that doesn't have 80 years of experience, <laughs> um, <laughs> that team probably wins five games. And the, it's the Panthers or somebody in there at, at seven wins or eight wins. So, yeah, I mean, that's – I know it's because it was Brady and it's he's in the playoffs and we're not used to seeing him lose in the playoffs. Um, I certainly expected something a little better. But, you know, not shocking. I mean, the Cowboys' only issue down the stretch was Dak was throwing interceptions. And he came into this game, and he not only did he not throw interceptions, he was incredible. Like, it, it might have been one of his – in terms of the, the, the stakes involved in the game, one of his best games of his career. Um, yes. Super efficient, made some really good throws, good decisions, um, was mobile when he needed to be elusive i mean just really good really good game he's gonna have to play like that today which we'll get to but um just a really solid game by dak um and yeah the bucks are bad i mean there's there's really not a huge deeper meaning to that game despite what espn might tell you with their fun cowboys coverage and tom brady coverage um (laughs) in terms of outcomes and and simple analysis that that game's about as simple as it gets as the last weekend i mean that's just one really good team who going into the final week, the Cowboys could have been the number one seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could, that, that things could have flipped real quick for them. Um, obviously it didn't, but yeah, I mean, it's, it is what it is. That's <laughs> disappointing to, for sure. I mean, I thought that'd be more of a fun game to watch, but you know, the bucks, yeah. are, the bucks are bad and they're, they're, the bucks are going to get a lot worse next year. I think. Yeah, because it doesn't look like Brady's staying at all. If he's either going to retire or go to a new team, which I mean that that whole that whole franchise coaching that roster is going to turn over like none other. Um, they, they that team might have as many free agents and and retirements as as anybody else in the league this offseason. I think yep. they've already had nine coaching changes between firings and retirements. So wow. Um, and that, you know, obviously that goes, that's not just the head coach, all the big names. I mean, that's a lot of assistants and lower level guys. But I mean, when you talk, you're talking nine coaches and I know these teams have a lot of coaches when you get on the <laughs> list. I mean, nine is a lot and it's been, it's been a, a not even a week. Yeah. So I think the final result is as it stands before these games have kicked off, which we've got about a half hour until Bills and Bengals are the first game, right? Yeah, by the by the time you yeah, we're kicking off here in about thirty minutes. By the time you're listening to this, um, maybe it's maybe it's the second half of the Bills game, or or maybe you're you're more than likely listening on a Monday, and it's these games have happened already. But right, um, that's this is where we stand as we record. Yeah, so this is our, this is where we get to call our this is where we get to call our shot and see how Sunday goes because as it currently stands, I would say the three best teams in the AFC and NFC are the three best are the three teams remaining in each conference, uh, pretty safely. The Eagles yesterday, and then the Cowboys and 49ers today, and Chiefs 
and then Bills Bengals in the AFC. So let's 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 start with Bills Bengals. This is interesting to me because I it feels like the Bills are definitely the better team. Yeah. This game's in Buffalo. Like there's it's not it's not one of these things where they're maybe like a different tier, but it's like the Bengals as well they've been playing, they do feel like they are half a tier away from the Bills and Chiefs. So it's one of these situations where they're certainly good enough to pull it off. We almost saw the the Jaguars were able to do against the Chiefs, uh, despite Mahomes not being 100%. But Josh Allen's not 100% either. So yeah, it's one of these things where I got to see it. I'm not going to predict it. The Bengals can win. I don't think they will. No, no, I don't. I don't think they will either. Um, you know, in terms of the Bengals, I mean, offensively, how much better could could Burrow and Chase and Higgins and Tyler Boyd? <laughs> um, how much better could that offense really, really be? You know, and we we've seen them at their best, and I guess they could look that dominant a little more consistently, um, at least in the playoffs, but. I don't know how much better that offense is going to get just based on what I've seen. And, you know, we're on what year three of, of Joe Burrow now. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're kind of seeing he's about to kind of reach the peak of his powers. If he hasn't already, um, it's probably going to just be on that, that team finding a, a defense that is kind of basically built to beat the chiefs and bills. Um, like lots of speed. Um, they don't get beat for big plays um, and a, it's, it's basically going to be speed on the back end and a great front four, which, you know, you could say, well, shouldn't every team have that? But especially when you face the, the Bills and Chiefs, um, you have to get quick pressure and you have to be able to drop guys in coverage who aren't going to get <laughs> blown past. Um, so it's, you know, e- a lot easier said than done, but it's going to have to be a defense that, that kind of creates splash plays against teams like that. Um, and- but going into the day, yeah, I mean, it's it's – Everything's just feeling the Bills are the better team. I mean, it, that's <laughs> the simple analysis, but right. The the other thing is, you know, obviously the Bills are are they're missing Von Miller, but the other thing the Bengals need is the offense can get better in giving Joe Burrow protection. Like last year, we saw what was it eight or nine times that he was sacked against the Titans. Yeah. Um, they went out this offseason and they made improvements. They signed three new guys to the offensive line. Two of those guys are injured and out for the year, or at least out for this game. And then their left tackle, Jonah Williams, is also out for today's game. So I think that's probably the that's probably the make or break difference there. It's just you got you're playing with three backup offensive linemen. So yeah, th- this is going to be a yeah. game where the the Bengals are going to need probably in that like 150 range of yards after catch. Like they're gonna have to do everything <laughs> with yards after the catch. Yeah. Um. Like it's gonna have to be a drop it off quick to Jamar Chase, get a block, and he, hopefully he springs it for seventy yards type of game. Because um, Burrow's just not gonna be able to stand back there. Uh. And it, I mean, it. Gosh, it's hard enough already to play in Buffalo, um, even without Von Miller. Because I mean, that that's a that's a solid defense they got. Um. You know, and you know, credit to the Dolphins last week actually managing to to put up some points on them. 
Right. But, um, weird circumstance. It's a divisional game. Um, those games are just weird. Uh, you go to every division. It just happens like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the Dolphins, despite what some might say through all these injuries and issues and losing streak, they have a good head coach. And he's smart and he knows yep. what he's doing. Um, you know, and he's made some some tweaks and adjustments to that offense as the season's gone on. He's kind of been dealt a bad hand with his quarterbacks. Um, and they went in and battled, but the Bills, you know, they're the better team. When it comes down late in that fourth quarter, if it's close, you just believe the Bills are the ones that are going to make those plays. Like Josh Allen is going to do something ridiculous, and everyone on Twitter will go, oh, my God. And then suddenly it's the game's over and the Bills won. So tell them feeling it's going to go today. Um, wouldn't shock me if the Bills blew them out. Um, no. If this thing gets away early. Burrow's just not going to be able to stand back there and pass for, for you know, 50 times today. Just can't happen like that. Um, but, you know, the Bengals have found a way <laughs> in the playoffs the past two years. They just yeah. keep finding ways to stay in these games and, and win a lot of them. So I'm not going to put it past them. But, we'll say I, last again, year, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for a good game at the very least. Right. Last year it was they won a division. They were hosting the Raiders that just kind of, you know, worked their way into the playoffs. They, they, <laughs> they in the playoffs because of Brandon Staley. Let's not let us not forget that last week of the season, <laughs> the playing game. That's hard. That's and they barely won that game. There was a questionable call, and then they went to the number one seed Titans, who were clearly a fraudulent number one number one seed. Oh they were God. not. This was not the freight train of a team that ran that you know, snuck into the wild card spot and beat the number one seed Ravens. That was just, that was just not the same. And then they got to Kansas city and Mahomes like had the worst game of his career outside yeah. of, you know, maybe that super bowl, but I think that was more of his offensive line than him. Um, so that's right. how the Bengals got to the super bowl last year, this year it's, you're got to go to Buffalo. And if you win, you got to go to Kansas city again. So it's a little. It's going to be a little different. So there's that. Yeah, it's 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 really easy to go and think um, without digging into the details. Oh man, the Bengals great playoff run last year. I mean, just <laughs> blew everybody out and right. you know went to the Super Bowl. But it really was. Um, they had some stuff go their way for sure. I mean, people's memories just aren't that good. Burrow was honestly. Burrow was sacked. I, I want was it eight times in that divisional round yeah. against the Titans and Tannehill just kind of threw the game away. Um, it, it, it just came down to that. I mean, it, which quarterback threw the game away and which kind of lived to see another down in a sense. Um, and Burrow certainly lived to see another down uh, eight or 10 times. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, going into Buffalo and Hey, listen, nobody gave him a shot against the chiefs and we saw how that went. Uh, it's going to be hard to do that again in Buffalo, but we'll see. I mean, we're, you know, we're kicking off here in 25 minutes. Anything can happen. It's a weird, weird playoff we got with these one game samples. And all it takes is Josh Allen with a couple untimely picks. And that's, that'll be their undoing. So they know I'll, I'll say this. This is my guarantee. Uh Oh, <laughs> if Josh Allen 
does not turn the ball over today, the Bills will win and they will cover. Not a crazy prediction, but that's that's what I'll say. If he throws a pick, all right. it's all out the window, which he he'll he'll probably throw a pick. But <laughs> I think that's um, I think that's yeah. I mean, listen, like if he goes, I mean, that's the only thing holding him back at the moment is Josh Allen, like kind of reverting to his reckless ways. Because defensively, yeah, they'll give up some points, but the offense, through all their screw ups, they're still gonna <laughs> put up thirty five points. I mean, that fourth quarter last week, um, Josh Allen just couldn't help himself, just chucking it deep, and you know. Listen, these guys are open for NFL standards, but sometimes you just need a first down. And so just take the more, we'll say, sure play. Um, you know, hey, throw it 10 yards down the field to get a first down. We'll run some clock. Um, we got a team who certainly needs a little bit of clock to drive down the field on us. Their quarterback is not very good. Um, and, but he just wanted to force things. So if he can calm down a little bit, and take what the defense gives them, which will be a lot, because you just can't let the Bills beat you for 70 yards at a time. Um, they'll be in good shape. Keep yeah. your defense fresh to rush the quarterback, which they will have a fun time doing, I'm sure. Yeah. So, and then on the NFC side, 49ers-Cowboys. already said that uh, using Tom Brady as the example for why uh, Brock Purdy can get you there. Um the Cowboys, to me, feel like theoretically the best team in the league, and then they just don't go out there and do that because <laughs> they have Dak Prescott, who I think you could confidently say is a top ten quarterback in the league. Hundred percent, very, very yeah, top, top ten. I'm not like even thinking twice about it for sure. Right. There's less. There's less good quarterbacks than you actually realize. There's a lot of good teams right, right now. Um, you look at the quarterbacks team by team. Dak 100%. I would say the only the only quarterbacks in the NFL that I would confidently say are better or just as good as Dak Prescott are Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And after that, I'm not sure. After that, you kind of got to catch somebody on certain days, which at that point, you know, how good are they? <laughs> right. Where it's like, yeah, okay. If you know Tua is, is his brain's intact and his team's healthy, okay, he might go twenty-eight of thirty-two for three hundred and ten yards or something like that. But that's not that's not a given every week. Whereas Dak, um, outside of this stretch where I think he he's doing a bit of the the Josh Allen routine of like he's just trying to do a little too much. He doesn't need to push the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's more available to him um, than he realizes, um, and that that's a lot of things. That's the Cooper Rush thing of you know some idiots saying Cooper Rush is better than Dak. It's he's making you know a lot of money now, so there's some mental thing there. I'm sure of trying to maybe prove that. Um, and then there's also just being the quarterback of the Cowboys, which by itself is um, kind of an impossible task. Well, uh, listen, if you ask Skip Bayless, that, that shouldn't come into your mind at all. <laughs> Man, Skip Bayless. Man, that show just keeps uh, making the headlines, huh? 
What was, 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 was something else this? Oh, <laughs> I was say, well, what happened Lakers on that show this week? And I was like, oh, wait, it didn't really happen on the show, did it? <laughs> and I guess we still have to wait to, to, to hear about it. Um, and that's yeah, why. What, did that happen Friday? Did that happen Friday night or I Saturday I guess it night? was, I think it was Friday night. It yeah. was Friday night. Yep, it was. So, uh, I think it was yeah, this, just another reason for that show to get everyone to talk about them and then um, still have nobody watch it because we watch the Twitter clips of what really matters. But anyway. Right, um, we just watched Shannon Sharp almost fight Dylan Brooks and John Morant. So it was, <laughs> yeah, um, that was incredible. But anyway, uh, yeah, Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback, and yeah, and again, um, you of... notice all those quarterbacks that I said confidently better than 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 uh, Dak Prescott, all in the AFC, none in the <laughs> NFC. Did not even notice that, and I even threw in like Tua on a good day in the AFC. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, who I are think the, the only I mean, guys Jaylen... you can talk about the, the only guy you can talk about in the NFC that is, that's uh, close is Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and th- then you can throw in Brady and Rodgers, but you know they're washed. But yeah, they're uh, and they're not. Yes. They're certainly not left in the playoffs, and he just beat Tom Brady. So there's that. And Jalen Hurts is playing on like probably you could say confidently the best team put around a quarterback in in the league. You could say, you could say the Chiefs are the best team, but they are the best team because of Mahomes, right? And, you know, and Kelsey and whatnot. But when it comes to the team around the quarterback, I think it's the Eagles, bar none. Like, it's not particularly. I don't think it's really a conversation. Yeah, the Eagles are. You know, they proved it last night against a Giants team who's you know decent, <laughs> like. They're not great. I don't think anyone expected the Giants to win that game. No. Except maybe a few delusional Giants fans. But, um, you know, nevertheless, that's a playoff team. And they just completely embarrassed them. Um, Yep. I mean, 38-7. to Giants had nothing going the whole night. Um, Just from the start. I mean, there was not a single moment in that game where you thought the Giants had a shot. I mean, it was over from the jump. So, yeah. you know, and we'll see next week. I mean, regardless of who wins today, and I would imagine it's going to be the 49ers, but we'll see. I mean, if Dak, I do Dak, think it will. If Dak plays today like he did last week, and I get it's a very different team he's facing, um, that, you know, they could sneak out a win. If you can find a way to break through the, the Shanahan, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to describe it, the Shanahan Palace. And gets a nice pampered Brock Purdy, who is not really asked to do much. But yeah, let's puts so we got we got to have the Brock Purdy coverage. The the Eagles, you know, they they'll they'll have a good matchup next week. It'll be a, it'll be their toughest matchup by by a long shot. Um, but that's next week. We still do have today's game with um, you know, top top ten quarterback Brock Purdy. Listen, I I, I forget <laughs> who I first saw it from. I forget if it was uh, Charles McDonald or uh, Billy Marshall and Panthers fan on Twitter. They referred to it perfectly as the white privilege offense. <laughs> and I, I say that be- they say that because this this is not the offensive scheme that they were running with Trey Lance. Now, is it because Trey Lance couldn't run it that way? Maybe. Uh, but with Jimmy Garoppolo, this this is the offense that got Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl. And this is the offense that might get Brock Purdy to the Super Bowl. And it just it we've said it before that 
the Kyle Shanahan offense, and this this one with the 49ers in particular, is just quarterback proof. As long as you're a quarterback, I mean, essentially, you're a quarterback that just has to not get reckless. And Brock Purdy does, you know, he's a rookie. He, he's gotten reckless a couple times. We saw that in the Seahawks game. Sometimes it turns into a big, huge play. Yeah. Purdy can, he made a couple good throws against the Seahawks. But for the most part, he's throwing to wide open Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, handing it off to, you know, his running backs as well, Christian and McCaffrey and Jeff Wilson. It's guys that are like, like high school levels of open, like 10 yards of separation <laughs> against <laughs> NFL defenses. It's ridiculous. I mean, why, why is George Kittle the only person in the frame on my TV screen? Makes no sense. <laughs> of all people to leave open. It's like, I- they, what was perfect was that what like seventy yard touch touchdown pass to Debo Samuel where Purdy throws it five yards <laughs> and Debo Samuel runs at sixty five <laughs> and Purdy gets all those yards because yep. yeah you, and you the final game, score, go, the oh. final stat the, the stat sheet the box score says three hundred some yards and three four touchdowns for for Brock Purdy <laughs> yeah yeah he had like three hundred ten yards passing which. <laughs> Listen, he made some. He he made a couple. I'm not gonna completely discredit him. No, no. He is he is baseline enough to hit guys that are wide open, and not every quarterback can do that. <laughs> this, I mean, so, it's exact. This is why I uh, brought it up in relation to the 49ers that the Patriots Super Bowl 36 win. What did Tom Brady do in that Super Bowl? All he did was not fuck up. Exactly. That's all he did. He didn't do more. He did, he barely did more. He made one pass where I said he did. He would do. He did more than that, and that's it. And still, it was he threw it in a great spot for a for a was it David Patton? I think it was uh, to make a really good catch in the end zone for a touchdown. Otherwise, otherwise, again, the man threw for 145 yards in that Super Bowl. And um, listen, let's say quarterback gets a little flustered. Um, defense really really tricks his eyes. They get a pick off of him early. Well, let's calm him down a little bit. We'll give him some easy throws to one of our four elite <laughs> offensive weapons. Right. Or, hey, let's just hand the ball to Christian McCaffrey behind our great offensive line. Right. Or Jeff, like, Will- Jeff Wilson, too, man. He's, he's, he's a good yeah, and it's, he's it's, a good running back. It's just you, it's endless. Like, the, there's, not, there's not a play on that team where the ball goes to somebody and you're like, man, that guy's a scrub. They're really making his career for him. Like, they're all, they're all just really good. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's every other team. It's just like, man, why? Why can't we? How? How did we not put this offense together? Like, what do we? What do we do wrong? Why is every offensive coordinator fighting for their life, not just looking at the tape and just literally ripping that offense play for play? Like, what are we doing? I don't completely, know. just completely rip them off. It's a copycat. Unless... It's a copycat league. Just do it. And listen, they made they made that trade for for Christian McCaffrey, the draft picks that they, I don't even remember what what draft picks they gave up. I need to let's look this up. But see, here's the thing, and we can look it up. It doesn't matter. He's so good. Who cares? At the end of the day, uh, second, third, and fourth round picks in 2023, and a fifth in 2024. Yeah. So that's what they gave up. But my point is going to be here. Brandon Ayuk. I'm gonna look this. I'm gonna look this things up. First round pick, but 25th overall. Devo Samuel, 
second round pick, if I recall correctly, second round in 2019. Yes, he was. He was the 36th pick overall. (laughs) George Kittle was also not a first round pick. In fact, he was a fifth round pick. (laughs) Like the 49ers are not going out here and just picking high in the draft. They're just scouting and drafting well. They're drafting, yeah, and it's it's like you can't, you're not going to totally. Um, Jeff Wilson was an undrafted free agent, also, by the way. And you can't even you can say what you want about the quarterbacks. You really can't even totally attribute those guys' success to that system because, like, you see them play and you watch them, and like they are so clearly very great football players. I mean, Kittle, you you can say what you want, yeah, okay, like he's going to have a little more. Um, separation just because of the offense he plays in like they're really going to scheme it and make his life a little easier but you can't watch that guy and say he's not a great tight end and mm-hmm. you can't watch Devo and say he's not one of the best in football with the ball in his hands like they they found that talent it's not like they just are scheming guys <laughs> and, and they are listen they are they make life life pretty easy for for everyone on that offense but I'm, I'm saying they, the wrong name I, I was I, I gotta just real quick I was saying the wrong name not Jeff Wilson uh Elijah Mitchell, not a, uh, not Jeff. Listen, Wilson. they they run through that. <laughs> they they've run through so many running backs. Right, Jeff Wilson on was on the Forty uh, ers for the last four years, and now he's on the Dolphins. I got I got it mixed up. He's uh, it's Jeff Wilson and uh, is it most? It's Mostert. Ra- Raheem Mostert. Both former Forty ers running backs. Them and uh, Matt Breida, uh, who's with the Giants. Man, right 10 now. years from now, we could just play a game of who running backs for the 49ers from 2016 to 2023. <laughs> Jer- Jarek McKinnon <laughs> on the Chiefs. Uh, and yeah. all of them had like 200-yard playoff games at one point. Right, absolutely insane. Elijah Mitchell was a sixth-round pick. That's that's the wrong I mean, one. Come on. So, I mean, come on. And hey, uh, listen, listen. We, we, you know, spent a lot of time in recent months talking about Tyson Bajant possible late round draft pick i mean look at where brock purdy was drafted that's all i'm gonna say i mean you can literally work your way up to this type of stuff right literally the last pick in the draft now not every situation is (laughs) not every situation is going to be the 49ers no um, when you're a third string quarterback like there's there's it's very situation dependent it's there's a reason every jets quarterback has gone and been terrible it's not all on just who they've picked it's the situation a little bit too yeah and we see like sam darnold actually played pretty well at the end of the year for the panthers he did um the last week of the season he did not it's the funniest stat line for a winning quarterback i've ever seen i'll pull it up here but um (laughs) (laughs) it's uh yeah i mean situation matters and uh i mean just look at uh look at this season and think of how many third string quarterbacks we saw just off the top of your head you think skylar thompson um brock purdy joe flacco um who's the ravens anthony it was anthony brown anthony brown uh technically baker mayfield um we got uh josh dobbs for the the titans who was kind of signed as a third string and then went in there like yeah it's all over the place so this listen if you if you can become the third quarterback on one of 32 rosters you got a shot to play here. Um, all right, I got sidetracked here. I got a yeah. I got a right. last senior bowl is coming up. Me. By the way, uh, it's it's the it's Pro Bowl week is is the Senior Bowl. 
All right, you ready for this one? Yeah. The Panthers at Saints, Week 18. Final score was 10 to 7. The winning quarterback was Sam Darnold. He was 5 of 15 for 43 yards and two interceptions, no touchdowns. <laughs> 5 of 15 with 43 yards? It's incredible. <laughs> I got the wow, box I scores. Didn't make, just I, like... I didn't pay any attention to that game because it didn't matter, but. Jeez. Leading receiver for the Panthers was Terrace Marshall with two receptions for 23 yards. Oh, my God. DJ Moore had one catch on four targets. <laughs> That's just amazing. And they won the game. It was 10 to 7. Jesus Christ. Uh, this, I'm, I'm enamored. This is incredible. So many turnovers. <laughs> So that being said, yeah, I think 49ers are going to win today. Uh, defense and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and it's another one like, man, I just, I really hope it's close. Don't want, because these games, there's such fun narratives involved going on in these games. Um, just give me some competitive fourth quarter football. That's all I ask. Because even though that Chiefs game ended up being close, it just, you could just feel it. Like yeah. it just, it was slipping out of their hands and they never felt in danger no no and even i mean gosh i mean who knows what would have happened if the jags didn't fumble so deep in chiefs territory but um yeah you just felt something like that coming also like it, that when that happened i was like yep there See, that was the that was the other thing i said yesterday was uh demoralizing how demoralizing it is to, to face the chiefs is just late in the game you're down and you're down by one score, so you think we just need one stop, so we can get the ball back <laughs> and tie this thing up or take the lead or whatever it may be. Uh, in the situation. One stop, one stop, and then Patrick <laughs> Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and the rest of that offense and Andy Reid scheme. It just one stop just feels impossible at times. And they get they go like seven plays for seventy five yards completely after this. Yeah, the one drive, the like the one drive that. Patrick Mahomes missed in that game was Chad Henney coming in and leading a 98-yard touchdown drive. <laughs> and he wasn't clearly was doing anything. Like, he was just hitting Travis Kelsey in the flat, yeah. and running the ball with Pacheco. But that's the other thing. The Chiefs seem to have completely whiffed on their first-round running back that they picked a couple years ago, and it doesn't matter because they've just been picking up guys off the street like Isaac Pacheco and uh, uh, Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. Yeah, the That's game what really they've been doing. A... So it's like I understood why they went and picked Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round of that after after winning the Super Bowl, but it was kind of like, you know, you guys won that Super Bowl with no name running backs. <laughs> you didn't need to pick a running back, really. Like I understand, like oh man, we'll be unstoppable if we have this great running back. Yeah. Don't pick a running back in the first round, the even if that's your situation. You could have made your defense better. You could have drafted someone there. Yep. Yeah, the game really turned. Um, that that drive we were talking about, or at least one of them, you know, the Chiefs kick a field goal. They're up twenty to ten. Jags respond, good drive. They score a touchdown. It's twenty to seventeen. The Chiefs followed up with ten plays, seventy five yards, in just under five minutes. <laughs> Disgusting. And, and then from there, it's twenty seven to seventeen, and you know we know the rest. It just kind of fell apart from there. But yeah, yeah, just, it's just a classic, and the Chiefs and Bills both do it every week. Where it's like, dang, they really, they look like shit today, and then they win by ten points. It's just like, right. well, how'd that happen? <laughs> so I have a feeling that might be what happens today. 
Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll see if Joe Shiesty can put to, put together a master class. Yeah. <laughs> Not expecting it, but hey, the, the, that game picks off in literally five minutes. So. Yeah. We're getting right here. I got a I got Memphis, Cincinnati college basketball on right now. Oh, that'd yeah, be a there's, good football game, but then... yeah, there's uh, they're they're decent teams, close game, but uh, there's five minutes left, and uh, I'm probably not going to catch the end of it because I don't care enough. No, but it's it's a good, it's the classic like, oh, the NFL games are starting later. This because we're talking about the time slots. Yep. Um. And it's like the classic, like, I need to watch something early Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so it's like, well. Catch ESPN, you some some ES- AAC basketball. ESPN2 it is. <laughs> American American Conference basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's a, it's a decent little league they got there. They're, yeah. They're going to lose some good names here, but yeah. Yeah. Cincinnati's going to the Big 12. Like. Yep. But. Yeah, there's your uh, there's your AAC basketball coverage for the season. There you go. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I don't know. Go Rams. Yeah, I don't know. We'll be back. It's uh, but hopefully a more regular time this week. It was a yeah, weird week. Yeah, I think we, so we got we got Wednesday open this week. Wednesday, we'll hit you Wednesday with a we'll we'll get some Shepherd basketball in because they had a. Oh, very, yeah. very huge. The men had a huge win this past week. We can, we can just kind of backtrack to that, and then, um, are they? I believe they're they're probably on the road Wednesday. So, yeah, I think so. We can maybe, you know, live live chat whatever's going on there. So, yeah, um, yeah, we'll get to that. Look forward to that this week, and we'll we'll circle back to these games and see how correct we were or horribly wrong. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well. Until then, Rams.